Are you tired of the endless stream of fantasy marketing and vanity metrics? Yeah, so am I. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, media specialist, and marketing strategist. I'm also a student of professional development, and like you, I've been left frustrated by all of this influencer-driven generic advice making us think that we are just one course, conference, or manifestation away from the life of our dreams. We need to cut through this crap and move beyond the posturing, beyond the facade, beyond the image to take real action on the real work that will create the real results. This is the Beyond the Image podcast. What is going on? Good morning. Hope you're having an awesome start to your day. Back with one of our live episodes of the Beyond the Image podcast. So truly that you could take some time to get some information, to get a little inspiration to help you in your entrepreneurial journey. It's been pretty busy lately. I feel like our team has been just kind of bouncing around from one uh, campaign to the next. Um, but we've had some fun campaigns. We, um, couple announcements. We are uh, in the process right now of uh, finalizing the, what is this, the eighth issue of Ricochet Magazine. Uh, so there have been some posts about uh, that and how you can get involved with that. Uh, we are also working on the relaunch, which is an entire rebrand of our Icon Refined Magazine, uh, and that will be dropping at the end of September. So lots of exciting things coming up with that. So stay Stay tuned for for those details. Um, we've had uh, we've had lots of uh, opportunities for our audience to land some really great media features, whether it's through their written work or their visual work. Um, so stay tuned for details uh, on those launches. Um, so we didn't choose a topic today because I wanted to keep the space open for you, the viewer. Uh, any questions that you might have on your brand, on your business, on whatever it is that you happen to be working on that you want advice with, that you want strategy with, that you want someone to help you uh, add some clarity where there might have once been confusion in your brand, in your business, in your marketing, in your PR wherever it is that you happen to be working on. So wherever you're tuning in, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook, you can type in the uh, comment section or the chat section what questions you have on marketing, on business development, on brand building, et cetera. And uh, we'll, we'll dive through it. We'll navigate through it together. Um, and hopefully uh, I can add some insights for you. I did have a question pop up uh, before we went live. Uh, so we're just gonna start with that. Uh, let's see, let me bring it up here. Cause this is a good one. And I think this, this touches a lot of people who, uh, listen to the beyond the image podcast or tune into this, uh, live broadcast, which is what do you do when you are shifting your brand or your business or the audience for your brand or your business? So there's an evolution or there's a adjustment in, who you are trying to market your products or your services or your brand to. How do you go about that transition? Uh, so the exact question, I'll read it. When you shift your business focus or shift your client avatar, what is the best way to communicate that to your audience on social media? Do you start deleting old Instagram posts uh, that no longer align with the new brand image. Um, so whether or not you're deleting old Instagram posts, that's kind of, 
kind of up to you and honestly kind of irrelevant. Uh, I wouldn't go in and delete posts, but you can archive posts so they're no longer visible uh, to to new uh, viewers or to the public that are is viewing your your account. But changing your audience is something that I myself have gone through several times, uh, as well as um, a slight refining of the audience. The truth is, is that your audience will contrast themselves based off the content you are putting out. So if the content you are putting out is not of interest to your audience, what are they going to do? They're going to unfollow. And as they're unfollowing, you can actually find who in your current audience wants the new content, is in for the new focus or the new vision that you have or the new brand that you're trying to position. And they start to raise up, but you are going to see a dip in your engagement. You are going to see a dip in, in the people who are, are responding back to the content you're putting out because it's not for them. So this idea of like deleting your old account and starting a new account, that just seems like a tremendous amount of work when you might still have members of your audience who are interested in the content that you want to be moving forward with, that you want to be positioning to. So the example I'll give is uh, about five years ago, we tried to launch, and people who've listened to my show might know this story. Five years ago, we tried to launch a new vertical to our business. And we had had lots of verticals already. This was, we were copying the, the system of the approach. To, and trying to target a new audience, but we had not fully built this audience yet. And because we had not fully built this audience yet, even though we had the right system and the right approach, the launch did not work. It kind of fell on, on deaf ears because we hadn't really nurtured our audience into this type of content. So it's actually just coaching with someone last night, walking them through because they're launching something new and, you know, we'll see if their audience is into what they're trying to launch, but it, it's really about building in clarity. So I'll go through the example of, of what I was working with last night with a client and then uh, kind of also uh, build in some of what we were doing. So home for so many people, when it comes to like, content awareness um, is going to be social media. But social media isn't the exclusive place where we're building our awareness. Think of social media as a place where you are nurturing the people who know about you, nurturing the people who um, are, are, are watching your content or watching what you're trying to do. So if Instagram and I'm just assuming a lot of you are on Instagram. If Instagram is right here, select the pen tool. All right, so Instagram. This is your nurture tool, right? So people have to build trust and rapport. That's the goal of your Instagram, build trust and rapport. Well, what builds trust and rapport? It's content that people want to engage with. But it needs to be content that they see. It needs to be content that catches their attention. And in a hyper in a focus where their attention span is so short, you have like under two seconds to capture them, under two seconds 
to get them to notice and to assess whether or not your content is for them or not for them. And the best way to do that is via pattern disruption. To catch their attention so fast, like, listen, this is what I'm trying to provide for you. We've talked about like the three goals that you could have with social media being to entertain, to educate, or to inspire education, information, or inspiration. I, I repeated two of those, <laughs> sorry. Um, entertainment, inspiration, education. Entertainment, inspiration, education. Those are the three. Um, so you can make people enjoy the content, you can teach them, or you can inspire them, or a combination thereof. And the more you can have a combination thereof, the better. Like that's what you'd want to have. Um, but it needs to capture their attention in two seconds or less. Two seconds or less. So if your videos start off with, you know, you like moving back from the camera, we've lost some time. If your videos start off with you introducing yourself, hi, my name is James, and today I'm going to be talking about you've lost them. What are you delivering to them right off the bat? And allow your audience to contrast themselves. I had a post the other day where 99.9% .9 of my audience was on board with it. They loved it. And then one person's like, I hate this. This is not for me. They, they used a little bit more colorful language than that. And good. I never have to worry about marketing to that person again. They are off my radar. And them leaving, I don't know if they are following me, but they're certainly not following me now. But let's assume they're following me and they unfollow me. Them leaving leaves room for someone else to come in. If Instagram is only showing my content to, let's say, 1% or 2% of my audience, someone who it is not for leaving opens it up for someone who it is for to see the content. So that is a good thing. That is what we want to have. So looking at the launch we had five years ago, we were trying to launch to a new audience. Like I said, using the same system that we're using for our current audience. We just thought, oh, we'll duplicate our vertical to a new audience and it didn't work. And the reason it did not work is we had spent no time building and nurturing that audience. So for the past five years, I've created content that builds and reinforces this audience. So the audience that I'm trying to reach with this new content is the creative industry. So photographers, primarily photographers. Okay. Thus, a lot of the content I'm pumping out are going to be tutorials. I'm going to have some, some entertainment. Like the, the post we did yesterday was purely entertainment. It was like uh, photo cliches to avoid, annoying photography cliches to avoid. And it got lots of photographers commenting on it, right? And then occasionally we'll throw in some inspiration to try to light them up. But all of this, notice none of this is like sales. I'm not selling here. The focus and the goal nurture. I need to build trust and rapport. And I have a very limited amount of time to build that trust and rapport, right? Like, Ultimately, we're going to want to guide them to some sort of page 
like a landing page somewhere else where we're going to try to sell to them. But we're not trying to sell to them here more often than not. No, we're not surfing Instagram holding our credit card. We're on Instagram to see stuff we want to see, to be educated, entertained, or inspired. So the other side of this is, okay, how do you build the top of the funnel? So can you grow an audience on Instagram? Yes, you can grow your audience specifically on Instagram or exclusively on Instagram. It's just going to take longer. It's going to take a lot longer because you're relying on shares. So people seeing your content and sharing it or hitting that explore tab. So the best way to hit the explore tab is to get your content to be seen by the people you want to see it and have them engage with it. So if I'm targeting, let's say, photographers, and my reels or my content is specific to photography, and photographers are engaging with it, it has a very high chance of hitting that explore tab. And that's how, and I shared this on my stories, uh, I think it was last week, how I was getting hundreds of new followers, and every follower I was getting, it says, they followed you from your reel. They followed you from your reel. Well, I know they. Uh, that's proof that my reel is hitting an explore tab that Instagram assessed that my reel is engaging because within two seconds, I disrupted a pattern, meaning people got value out of it and they knew what they were going to get from this video in the first two seconds. So they chose to watch the remaining video. Like if people in the first two seconds, they bounce, Instagram's not going to want to show that to more people. So there has to be a reason to watch and engage in this video right away. And then and when that works, okay, now Instagram has a chance to explore it. Now shares, this is another way to grow your audience is there's so much innate value in your content, whether it's education or entertainment or inspirational, that people are choosing to share it for you. So reels I'm using to hit the explore tab. Shares, I'm using carousels. So you'll notice like every few posts, I'll do a carousel that is educational or it's a little entertaining or it might be a little inspirational, but these get shared a lot, a lot, a lot. And when people share these, they're marketing my brand to their audience. And if they are within my target demo, chances are their audience is within my target demo. So when they're sharing it and I'm getting new followers from the people who shared my content, those new followers are within my target demo. But this is all working within a very contained ecosystem, be it Instagram. If I want to zoom out and add fuel to this fire, well, this is where we do the top of funnel. Or <laughs> my, uh, my editor called it tofu, top of funnel. Um, so this is where I do media. So media being podcast, magazines, television, uh, digital networks, where I'm delivering content. So I'm writing articles or I'm, I'm being interviewed or I'm doing features for media outlets. And then I'm driving this traffic to my Instagram. So if I'm targeting photographers, where am I contributing? Well, I'm contributing to like Shutterbug Magazine. I'm contributing to uh, Digital Photo Pro. I'm getting 
photography-related accounts to share my content. I'm creating photography content specifically for audiences that have or accounts that have the audience that I want to tap into, driving them into my Instagram where I nurture them, not focus on selling so much here. My focus here is nurture, build trust and rapport, and then occasionally I'll drive them over to a landing page over here where I'm offering either something else, like maybe it's a free guide, like I created a how it was lit guide that people could subscribe to, or I could be skipping that and going right into a sales conversation, like buy one of my photo tutorials. And then by the way, this landing page ultimately drives into that sales page. So all things at some, you know, eventually lead to a sales page. So if you look at this and you come across one of my articles, let's say in Shutterbug Magazine, I wrote an article in Shutterbug Magazine, you really like that. It links to my Instagram. You pop into my Instagram where there's tons of content that reinforce why you chose to follow me. So trust and rapport is further established. Then you see, I have this free guide where you can get even more value from me. So you opt into that. Then you're in my email sequence, which is then pushing you into my digital course at whatever, $30. And I do this again and again and again and again. Now, by the way, top of funnel can also be ads. Ads driving in here. Or you see my work because you follow an account that you respect. Let's just say um, it's an account that just shares lots of photo-related content and you really love following this because you get lots of information from them. You come across my stuff. It resonates with you. So you follow my account. So you go from here to here to here to here. All roads lead to eventually a sales conversation. So back to the question of, because your original question is, well, I'm shifting my audience. Well, that's okay. I think right now, focus on your content first. Create content and test content over time, and I'm talking weeks or months, to see what content is vibing. And allow your audience to, to segment themselves. If they're not for it, they'll unfollow you. That's okay. So yes, your follower count may go down at first. And yes, your engagement may dip a little bit at first, but the goal is to over time start to see it catch up. And then, you know, there's this idea of finding your voice in your content. Well, the only way you're going to find your voice in your content is to create content where you're using a voice. And spoiler alert, it's not going to be the first thing you do. The first reel you do, the first post you do. Yes, every now and then we have some flash in the pan successes, but that's not what this is about. You're not going to catch fire in your first post. And anyone that's trying to convince you that you are is unfortunately misleading you. This is about testing and refining to find what eventually works for your audience. So we stumbled across the how to take a photo doesn't suck. We fell into it. And it worked because of the pattern disruption of it. So then we took that idea and that formula and we replicated it with the annoying photography cliches to avoid. And then that worked because we found a pattern that worked for us. And that might be different for you, but it has to be something that your audience cares about and cares about passionately enough that they're going to want to watch or consume this content. 
So when you create content, whether it's reels or carousels, that is reinforcing the message that you drive home, leaning into what makes you unique. So we talk about standing out. What is it that makes you unique against anyone else doing the same thing? Is it your experience? Is it your methodology? Is it the results you provide? Is it the audience that it's tailored for? There's so many ways that you can niche down to find what's unique. The best way to compete with others within your industry is to draw them into an area that they cannot compete with you in. I'll say that again. The best way to compete with others in your industry is to draw your competition into an area they cannot compete with you in. Early in my career, when I graduated with my degree in journalism, but I was a photographer. So I was a journalist and a photographer. How did I market myself as a journalist and a photographer? Because there weren't a lot that could say that. So I could go to a magazine with a value proposition, say, not only can I photograph for you, I can write the article as well. You get a two services and you don't have to hire two different people. So I'm saving you time. This is more efficient. Then at some point that shifted. And then I started to say, Listen, I worked as a photo editor. I worked as an art director. I worked as the marketing lead. And I had to hire lots of photographers. And I had to oversee the usage of the photos. Well, that's not something a lot of photographers can say. So while other photographers are out there taking pictures, I know how to make images that work. So once again, I created something where people could not compete with. And then for a while, it was targeting fitness. No one was shooting fitness. That wasn't a genre, but when I came in and said, I specialize in fitness, or at the time I called it sports portraiture, no one was really campaigning that. So I could differentiate myself. And then when that market became saturated, then I leaned into my experience, which is I've shot at this point now more than 700 magazine covers. So if you want to get published, who are you going to work with? I'm drawing into an area that I cannot be competed with. And notice how that's changed over time. That's okay. And I assume at some point someone will find a way to catch up. I don't know how, but I'm sure they will. With the number of media features. Or maybe media features won't be important to my clientele anymore. Well, then I'll need to find something else that I'm honing in on or I'm focusing on. And then that will be my focus moving forward until it shifts again. But going back to this. I think it starts with content. Create content that people want to see. So that by the time they find you, this already exists. Because the worst thing, like let's say you find a reel that you love and you go to that account and you see nothing else that's like it, you bounce, you don't follow them. You're like, well, nothing else is like that. You want content you can binge. You want to be reinforced. So when someone sees a piece of content that they love, they wanna go see more of it. And then when you're really targeting, especially to media outlets, which this is going to dive into uh, the next question that I see in the chat section. Um, and you're saying, you know, this is my focus. This is what I do. And they go to your content. They're not seeing you focus on it. They're not seeing you do it. Well, they're not really going to believe that that's your focus and that's what you do. So you establish this. Okay, we have great content that reinforces your brand and what you want to deliver, the results you provide. And then when it comes to awareness, 
here comes your magazines, here comes your podcasts, here comes your TV features or your digital features that you're then driving in here. So hopefully that answered the question we got in uh, prior to going live. Um, and if that person happens to be watching, join in the chat, let me know. All right. Next question up. I've had several articles published thanks to Fitposium, now known as Get Published Live. Was featured in Strong Magazine as one of their women to watch. Congratulations. A big goal is landing a cover, and I'm curious how to pivot my pitch. Okay. So how do we get a cover? So this came up actually the other day, which is how do magazines determine who's on a cover? And it's like this crazy Venn diagram of uh, the right time, the relationships, opportunity, uh, the right angle. There's a lot that could go into landing a cover. So I think let's start with what cover, uh, not a cover, but what cover. Um, so if I were to look at, let's just say the goal is now landing a cover. Uh, all right, so cover. Uh, you know, I often talk about like there are different reasons that you might want to land a media feature. Uh, first reason, you know, we could talk about um, vanity and that's okay. Nothing wrong with vanity. Uh, second reason would be uh, authority. You want to amplify your authority. And the third reason might be lead generation. So lead gen. All right. So, um, oh, <laughs> we have someone renting our studio who is, uh, happens to be streaming while, while, uh, while using the studio. Thanks for tuning in. All right. So if the goal is just vanity, all right, well then you could just buy a cover like that exists. It's going to cost you a bit of money. Um, I mean, you know, low tier independent publications you're looking at, let's just say like a hundred dollars, uh, high tier publications you're looking at, let's just say five to seven grand. All right. Well, then you're on a cover and you feel good about it. Um, if you have goals outside of a, uh, a vanity and, and, and I don't want to beat up on vanity. If, if you want to be on a magazine cover and that's all you care about, do it. I'm, no one cares. I'm not judging. Um, no one else should either. Uh, if the goal is authority, meaning you want to leverage a media outlet because of the brand of that media outlet and being featured on the cover of that media outlet would enhance your authority as a subject matter expert within your field. So like, for example, when I shot the cover of Shutterbug Magazine that established me as an educator for photographers. Made sense. It amplified my authority to be able to say, I write for this magazine, I shoot for this magazine. As a health and fitness photographer to say that I shoot for uh, Oxygen and Strong and I've had work published in Shape and I've been published in Men's Fitness and Iron Man and you know, fill in the blank. These are all authority amplifiers. As a business consultant, as a marketing strategist, to say Oxygen or, or Shape or Strong, that means nothing. 
No one cares. But to say, I've been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine. I've been featured in Yahoo Finance. Okay, these are authority amplifiers. All right. So choosing media outlets based on are they adding to, to my authority? Lead gen means someone sees the media feature and they immediately enter your ecosystem as a lead. Now, can a media outlet achieve both of these goals? I mean, technically a media outlet can achieve all three of these goals. Um, yes, and then uh, some are better at authority and some are better at lead generation. So let's look at, let me take... Uh, uh, fitness magazine, and oh, let's just say um, Women's Health magazine. All right. If you're a personal trainer and your goal is to get clients from the magazine, meaning they see the magazine, they enter into your ecosystem now as a potential lead, meaning you want to drive business. Um, fitness magazine would really help with your authority. But everyone who reads Fitness Magazine is probably already really in shape. They're probably already in the industry. They're probably already a personal trainer or a competitor. You're not going to get clients out of it. Not likely. I would add like inside fitness to that. Great for authority amplification. But people read it. It's more people who are already in the industry. So your competitors, right? Um, Lead gen, well, women's health. That's a newsstand publication, meaning the general audience is picking that up to learn what's in the magazine. And if they learn from your article, they have a chance to enter into your ecosystem. This is why local media is so great for lead generation. It's very powerful for lead generation because people want to support local. And if you deliver local services, that's a slam dunk right there. So looking at like, okay, what does it take to, to land one of these covers? Like I mentioned, like probably relationships is the thing that comes up more than anything else, having good relationships with the magazine's team. That means you're a trusted resource. You're a contributor. You're basically in the know. The more you contribute, the more you're involved, the higher chance you have of them turning to you when there's an opportunity because they want to reward the people that have helped them out for so long. Okay. That's like, you know, we had the cover of uh, Dr. Jordan Wiggins with our icon brand. Well, she had written for, I think, every issue prior to that. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We want her on the cover. She's built such a connection with our audience that we want to celebrate that connection on our next cover. And it made sense. Um, so relationships is a big one. Uh, I would say story angle is another big one. So is the angle of the story impactful enough or interesting enough for this audience? All right. So if I were positioning myself to, let's just say, um, okay, so I'm a writer for a magazine called Personal Fitness Professional. Uh, and I've written for, I think, every issue over the last, I think, two years, maybe year and three quarters. Um, so I'm working on this trusted resource and to be a contributor. 
But if I wanted to be on the cover of this magazine, I have to come up with an angle that I feel matters to this audience that is more than just kind of like a self-grandizing pitch. Like, I want to be on your cover. Well, yeah, being on their cover would probably drive a lot of business for me since I work with personal trainers all the time. And that's the only people who read this magazine are personal trainers. But what does it offer to the magazine? What's the angle that is important to the magazine? And by proxy, really, what is important to the readers of this magazine? Why is my hook or my angle matter for this cover? What am I going to position that is of interest or value to the cover of this magazine? So what's the news hook? What's the angle? Is it um, a new book that I've launched? that is different from other books that are available? Is it um, the event that there's no other event like it and I'm trying to create a new opportunity for people within this industry? Is it the the number of people that I've helped or supported uh, that is, it would have to be astronomical, it has to be really impressive. Is it an achievement that I've had that separates me, differentiates me? Is it, some sort of angle that is so good that it goes beyond just a contributed article. Okay. So that's what we think about when we think about story angle. I think probably like this is the most important right here. And then relationships is probably the second most important. Like the right story angle will uh, supersede relationships relationships work when we haven't found the story angle yet. And that's speaking as someone who runs magazines. Um, the third would be kind of like a multifaceted pitch. So when we think about multifaceted pitches, I'm working with uh, my good friend, Parker Cody uh, next month. And he's, he's the king of this. where he goes in with the photos already done from reputable cover photographers and the angle of the article already done. So he's created kind of everything and it's kind of a done for you package. And he focuses over, I mean, he spends years building relationships, but creating all the content and the angle of the pitch and then just cycling it out to all his target uh, media outlets. And that's how he's landed. I mean, he's been on like fitness magazine. He's been on men's fitness, men's health, um, coach magazine. Dude's got like 30 covers under his belt in like, you know, five years. Um, because he's trying to create this multifaceted approach. And kind of like with that, I would also add in like a kind of a, like kind of like a fourth between that kind of sinks these two together is yes, you want to have a good relationship with the editor of the magazine, but what if like you also have a good relationship with the lead photographer, it's not how you spell photographer, uh, the lead photographer of the magazine. So now you've developed two relationships and they're the ones creating the photos. 
like the number of times I'm in editorial uh, budget meetings where I'm having conversations with either whether it's my team or it's with publications that I contribute to. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I just work with this person. Here's these photos I created. They're like, oh, I just got a pitch from this person. I really like this angle. Okay. This is how we could we could dictate that. All right. Um, so follow-up questions. So you should always pitch a story with cover pitches. I And the reason I'm pausing is I'm just trying to think if there would ever be an instance where the answer is no. And I can't think of there being a time where the answer to that question would be no. Yeah, there needs to be a story. There needs to be something that's valuable to the readers of this magazine. It can't, unless it's just a photo magazine, it can't just be photos. Like photos are just part of it. Um, and, and with lots of magazines, uh, they want their own photographer. So it can't just be photos in that instance. You need to show photos that show that you can be on a cover and you can be in the same imagery and the same brand and the same look and the same vibe and the same essence as what that publication would feature. Um, but there needs to be a hook there. There needs to be a reason that this publication is putting you on the cover. So what's the story? What's the angle? And why is this so important? to the readers of this publication. Okay. All right. Uh, another question. What dictates whether they publish you in print or online? So my editor, Chelsea, could probably answer this a little better, but I'll give you my feedback on it, which is uh, online could just be the immediacy of the topic. If it's very topical and we want to get it out right away, we could pump it out online because waiting for print like with our icon brand we only do four issues a year with ricochet we do six issues a year um so the chance of us putting newsworthy content in a print issue is not as likely for us because the magazines are more infrequent um if we feel that it behooves itself to a digital audience we might push it online the way we look at digital features we put a lot of emphasis on digital features and i would want you as a viewer to put emphasis on digital features digital features are phenomenal for lead generation and they work just as well for authority amplification the only thing you don't get with the digital feature is a tear sheet well, that's not that big of a deal uh unless the goal is vanity um but Digital drives more readers. Digital drives better traffic. Digital is easier for traffic flow because it's literally just clicking a hyperlink to enter into someone's ecosystem as opposed to reading a print magazine and then having to reference a print magazine to find the person later. Um, so digital carries with it a lot of potential. Um, uh, regarding print magazines, like for um, uh, both, of our, both of our magazines, we have very specific sections. So if someone wants to be in the print issue and they want to contribute content, it needs to be content that fits within those specific sections. I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's for us, it's, it's a bit of like, here's the features we're going to run in every issue. And you pick up any magazine and you'll see the content that runs in every single issue. Um, then you need to show, okay. I can write for this feature, or here's an article idea for this feature. Um, I'm just trying to think if, like what else would, would separate whether or not someone is featured in print versus digital. Um, oh, here's an example, is we're actually holding off, like we wanted to do a digital feature on someone, but we're holding off because 
we want to do a print feature and we don't want to um, like let all the air out too soon, basically. Like we're putting all of our energy into a bigger feature for print, um, but we could do it the other way around. Like, you know, if we're on deadline, it's like, oh, do we want to squeeze this into the next issue? Actually, no, let's hold it till we can do something bigger for the website. Like that could go either way, but we want each, whether it's a print feature or digital feature, we want each to have its own vibe and its own brand and its own identity. Um, all right. Tear sheets matter if the goal is enhancing a modeling career as well. Uh, so modeling is a little bit different in the sense that um, you're trying to essentially have authority to show like, listen, all these publications have featured me. In that case, if I am choosing someone for a campaign based off the tear sheets in their portfolio, it does not matter to me whether those tear sheets are printed off a website or in the print magazine. Doesn't matter. It's what's the quality of the photo. Uh, is the photo good? And is the person in the photo good? Um, if someone were to show to me a campaign they shot for guess, it would not matter to me whether that campaign was on a guest digital ad or a guest print ad in a magazine. Does the photo look good? And does the person look good in the photo? That's it. And to be able to say, you know, I shot for guests, it does not matter to me if you shot for guests online or if you shot for guests in print. Uh, and I would say the same when it comes to digital features as well. Um, I don't know how much this happens now, but I, I was actually talking to an editor two months ago. When we were talking about doing a completely digital uh, fashion campaign um, where we wanted to use the digital aspect of this fashion campaign because we wanted to create an ecosystem of supporting all the partners in the fashion campaign, which were not just the models, but all the clothing designers and the boutique owners who were getting involved in the campaign, um, as well as the stylists who were getting involved, the hair and makeup people who were getting involved, and myself as the photographer, and then the creative director. We wanted to create this digital ecosystem of creating really, really, really dynamic visuals where all of a sudden we are not limited by page count. So when I shoot fashion campaigns, I'm limited by page count. Like I'm shooting a fashion campaign tonight, and my editor's given me, I think, I want to say like either eight or 10 pages, and that's it. That's it for me. That's and, and as a photographer, like I might want 30 pages, like I'm going to take a lot of photos tonight and I'm going to want to celebrate these photos. But if I only have eight pages to celebrate them, I'm limited in what gets in print. Right. But for this idea that I'm talking with with this other art director, we want to create a virtual uh, experience uh, where we're celebrating lots of photos where I can have a gallery of, let's say, 20 to 50 photos online. So I can show a lot more artwork, which means we can celebrate a lot more models, which means we can celebrate a lot more um, boutiques or stylists or, or hair and makeup artists. Like we can bring more people to make this a bigger, more, more robust and massive collaborative experience that I might be limited to in a print issue. Um, that would be another uh, benefit to, to, uh, uh, to, to digital uh, over print. But I don't want to, you know, to be clear, I don't want to diminish how cool it is, how freaking awesome it is to see yourself on the cover of a magazine. Um, it really is. Like I, I've done two magazine covers where I've been on the cover of a magazine. I've been on the cover of a newspaper. Um, it's great. 
it is really cool. And it's there's a marketing aspect to a cover that I would say might supersede that of an interior feature. I wouldn't say might, it does. Um, to to show a, a logo behind your face or your visage um, carries with it an authority. There's a weight, there's a clout to it. So I don't want to diminish someone's goal of being on a cover. I'm all for it. Um, so I would look back into what is the story angle of this? Number one. Okay, so looking back at, let me go back over here, finding the magazines that you're targeting, okay? Are you targeting fitness magazines? Are you targeting fashion magazines? Are you targeting um, uh, wellness publications? Are you targeting photography public? Like what publications are you targeting? Okay, and then based off the publications you're targeting, you'll know, are they authority publications? Are they lead gen publications? Just a vanity, like there are certain magazines that I shoot for that are just purely for vanity. Um, they don't generate authority for me. They're not really great for lead gen. Uh, they just look really cool. Like I would say like, um, uh, I've had work published in, um, this was a number of years ago, but like I've had work published in Maxim and I've had work published in FHM. It just looked really cool. It did nothing for my authority. It did nothing for my legion. It was purely a vanity push. Um, then from there, what's the story angle? What am I positioning that is cover worthy? But then have those relationships. And the best way to have those relationships is to be a trusted resource, to be a contributor, to, to be the person that that editor wants to call you first. So I'm going out to the East Coast in uh, three weeks because that editor called me first and they said the subject uh, said that they want you to shoot this campaign. Uh, they trust you. So make it happen. Okay. I will be going out to the East Coast to make this happen. Um, that came with being a contributor in previous issues, building trust and rapport and being the trusted resource. So that when the next opportunity came to shoot this cover, I was not only the, I was the only call that they made. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So yes, there's not like one clear answer and I apologize. There's not one clear answer how to, on how to land a cover. Um, I think the biggest thing is it's what's the hook, what's the angle. Uh, and you know, backups our relationships. You know, when we're looking at covers for, I can say for icon, we'll start there. Um, we have very extensive discussions with our entire editorial team. So uh, myself, uh, my, my editor in chief, uh, my, my art director, and we weigh out our decisions based upon what works for our audience. It is our job to serve content that our audience wants to have, wants to learn from, wants to be inspired by, wants to be entertained by. And thus, if we are straying from that, we lose our audience. They're not going to buy another issue. Same thing with my podcast. If I have someone on my show who doesn't reinforce or align with what I'm trying to deliver to my audience on my show, I lose listeners. And it's really, really hard 
near impossible to get an audience member back once you've lost them because you've lost that trust or you've delivered content that's like, this sucks. I'm not into it. I'm out. So I have to create content that my audience wants to see. And if I'm not creating content that they want to see, they're just going to get it from somewhere else. And then that becomes their resource. That becomes their trusted outlet. So, you know, we're looking at like, we're, we're, we made a very careful decision about the next cover of Icon. Who is this person? What is their story? Why does this matter to our audience? What is the narrative that we're trying to do that? Um, we don't know the cover that's happening after them. So, you know, we have our, our seventh issue that comes out in September. Eighth issue comes out in December. We don't know who's on the December cover yet but we know who's on the one after that. Um, and it was a long discussion about why this person, what about their story? And by the way, this person's also been a contributor of ours and why we've chosen that issue in particular for them, because it aligns with a time frame of something they're doing that we want to uh, be aligned with or partnered with. Um, but as we'll decide for our final cover of this year, so issue eight, it's going to be what's the story? What's the angle? What are we delivering to this audience that that they want to pick up, that they want to be a part of, that they want to be affiliated with, that they want to celebrate? Um, you know, with our Ricochet covers, um, it, it, it's kind of the same thing. And, and to be honest, this is not like a big thing that comes up is like, well, does the size of your audience dictate this? Can it help? Yes. Does it dictate it? No. So we had a lead for Icon. This person had like legit million plus followers. Legit. Not, you know, I've never heard of this person. How do they have a million followers? Like this doesn't make sense. Like this is a celebrity. But the brand didn't align. And it was too hard to mold a story that our audience would care about. So this person's phenomenal and they've been on magazine covers before. And th this individual will be on lots of magazine covers moving forward. They have a legit audience, a real following and a real brand. It's just not one that aligns with our audience. So it'd be, it'd, it would be too hard to feature this individual. So we're not going to, um, and that's nothing against them. They're phenomenal. I, I I'm a fan of them. I follow them. I love their content, but it's not for my magazine. So hopefully that that makes sense, uh, and hopefully that adds some some clarity. Teresa, this is all really great info, and it does break down perfectly how to obtain a cover and or get published in the magazine. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Hmm. So we got just a few minutes left. Should anyone else have? other questions uh, you can put them in your comment section or your chat section uh, if not no worries i'll be back maybe in a week um as i mentioned tonight we're shooting a, a fashion campaign uh so i'm super excited about that I, I don't often get hired for fashion campaigns but it is one of my favorite things to shoot uh just because it um like like when i shoot covers more often than not cover shoots are very methodical and very calculated in the sense that 
I have to shoot within a brand's guidelines, very specific brand guidelines. Like when you shoot for this national newsstand fitness cover, um, like I would have the art director and or the editor or both like live streaming the photo shoot, just watching every detail of what I shot, making sure the facial expressions, right. Does the pose work, right? Like we're just slowly, like it's more like molding clay as it were uh, to get this shot. Um, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. Uh, and you know, we make really good shots and I'm proud of the shots we did. Um, but with fashion, fashion is the opportunity to do something, um, where I'm hired to do it based off my vision or my style more than anything else. Um, so I get to be creative and I, and I, and I concepted this campaign out, um, I would say like four months ago, five months ago. Like I've had this idea for a while. Um, and I've wanted to do it longer before. I just had to have the right project and this is the right project for it. Uh, so we have to build out this evening. We're building out the set for it. Um, and uh, yeah, it should be, should be a lot of fun. I'll have, I'll have a few team members there. So expect lots of behind the scenes photos from that, which will be up on Instagram. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. This was fun. Uh, like I said, we wanted an open concept for, for this, um, for this week's episode, uh, you know, I'll kind of uh, vacillate back and forth between open concepts like this, where you can ask any questions you have on marketing, on PR, on brand development, on 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 on, on marketing and sales, uh, and then we'll do some that are more specific and tailored and have topics uh, that I'm uh, more so teaching. Um, I don't think I have any other updates, so that's it for me. I'm gonna refill my coffee. Get to set building. Hope everyone has a phenomenal rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, really means a lot when you share this show, when you uh, subscribe on YouTube, when you leave five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. Everything helps. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.